Helicopter sounds in Los Angeles. That's the sound of Los Angeles. Oh, it's very there it close. Is. Police helicopters circling overhead. Who are they looking for? Police, there's trouble in the city. It's the pay inequality of men versus women in Hollywood, and the police are attacking this issue straight on. <laughs> what do you think? It's a thief around. <laughs> or, yeah, someone stole a loaf of bread. Hey, Tom. Hey, Ashna. Welcome to Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp. Thank you. Or today it's Tom and Ashna Radio Smart Camp. Um, wow, we're going to, uh, I guess, first of all, should we talk about my magnificent trip to Paris? Oh, yes. Definitely, we should start with that. What is the fucking cop? We are a little bit distracted. <clears throat> we just started and we're thinking about this police uh, helicopter. And we are not going to edit this podcast because we have to leave. We got a dinner date we have to go to. And uh, we didn't want to let one more day go by without releasing a podcast. So I was Because in... Joey Diaz, Tom does, <laughs> Tom did Joey Diaz podcast last night, late. Yeah, and then Joey gave and... me a hard time about not putting out a podcast every week. Come on, yeah. Tom Rhodes. Come Good. on, Tom Rhodes. You can put out you got forty minutes a week. <laughs> you could sit down, you could make a message, you could do five minutes and do apologize. Even if it's a five minute episode, apologizing for not putting out an episode. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I, hey man, I'm just coming back from Mongolia and I just need to go to the, <laughs> to another business meeting, but uh, this is my podcast, five minutes, I love you guys. Yeah, I don't know, I don't think I'd waste a number of a podcast on a five minute apology, you know? No, I think you should, and I think you should uh, do a podcast every week. Okay, well, we're going to do that from now on, even if it's a short um, knowledge nugget story that happened to me. Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So we are here for you, people. Uh, why don't we talk about my quick trip to Paris, where I was there for three days and I played theater La Oeuvre. L'oeuvre. How do you pronounce it? Oeuvre. So Oeuvre. Theater L'oeuvre. Uh, Oeuvre. Let's uh, hit the. It's work, right? Your work, like masterpiece, Oeuvre. The works of a painter, composer, or author regarded collectively the complete oeuvre of Mozart. A work of art. A music of art. or literature. That's it. Okay. So it's like a masterpiece, basically. And um, that's what I just said. And that's where I brought my masterpiece. I played there <laughs> Monday. Man, this theater. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Theater La Ovra. So this place was built in 1893. Founded in 1893, the Theatre La Ovre is among the first theatrical venues in France to provide a home for the artist of the symbolist movement at the end of the 19th century. Uh, modeled on the experimental structure of Theatre Libre, the venue was directed by Lugne Poe, a prominent Parisian actor and stage manager, from its opening through 1929. So, yeah, on the front of this theater is a, a statue of this guy's face. So, this theater is so beautiful. And, you know, it looked like a typical Parisian street. And there's like an old kind of tunnel hallway from the street 
to get to the theater, which probably was an old horse stable 300 years ago or something. But um, this theater is, is, it had two, two levels, right? So it, it, it seats 338 wow. people. And I had 240 people there. Damn, in Paris? Yeah, and the, the, the balcony uh, was full, and then there's a lower level, and this place was just so stunning. And I'm going to go back October 15th, and I'm going to film my next hour special there. So if you're listening to this, um, and you want to go to Paris, you want to make a trip, now's the time to start planning. Uh, the, the, the audience were mostly, you know, French speakers and... Uh, I mean, it, but it was more like a theater audience. Like, they they burst out into applause when a joke made a really good point versus ha-ha-ha-ha laughing their asses off. You yeah, know? because it's art. It's I think in Europe, um, stand-up comedy is considered more of an art form than uh, entertainment. And I think in America, it's more considered entertainment and then uh, on the second place, uh, a work of art. I think that's a difference, you know, and then people come to the theater and they really respect the artist, the stand-up comedian, and they're very um, curious what you have to say, you know? What are you going to teach us? What is your personal story? Enlighten us. And I think in America, it's, it's mostly make us laugh. Yeah. While I eat my chicken... Well, bone. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, I've got uh, yeah. While well, I eat my chicken wings and flick the bones, right? Yeah. Um, fortunately, I have a really long history with Paris. You know, the my my relationship with Natalie when I was in my twenties, uh, the Parisian woman I lived with in San Francisco for seven years. The first time I went to Paris, I was maced. Uh, some guys tried to mug me, and then I took her mother to the Grand Canyon, and. Uh, she chain-smoked filterless gitans, this really strong French cigarette, and she wasn't in the best of health, and uh, she was complaining of chest pains. You know, you go to the Grand Canyon, it's two miles straight down. It's, a, it, it's easy. Everyone's happy, donkeys are singing, but then coming back <laughs> up is two miles straight up. And then she's complaining about her chest, and, you know, you don't want to kill the mom. Uh, number one responsibility of a boyfriend is to try not to kill the, the mother of your girlfriend because surely that would come up in every argument you're ever going to have for the rest of your life, you know? Are you listening? Good advice. <laughs> oh, you killed my mother. How many times do I have to apologize for that? Um, so, and then, of course, the almost drowning in Thailand story. The, uh, the, that was probably the highlight of the the, the show I think that's the most the most brilliant story that you have and you have a lot of great stories but this is my favorite because it has all the elements of a story it has you know jealousy it has competition it has love it has friendship it has almost dying and rebirth and renaissance huh. it's just everything and that on an on a far far away island somewhere in Thailand. It's just a great story. That's great. You never broke it down for me like that. Uh, and I, I definitely, that's one of my best stories. I did an hour and a half. And the stories is what worked the best, you know. They liked the stories better than the jokes. Yeah. And they were riveted. And uh, 
broke out into applause breaks often. So um, I'm a little nervous about the, I mean, I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm very excited about filming my next hour special there. But uh, I, it, I think it'll be different than filming it in front of an American audience because there's, they have a respect for theater and yes. they come from this theater tradition of, um, of, uh, of, of, uh, you know, theater laughs and, and applause breaks instead of this um, fake howling like hyenas. Yeah, and also um, rewarding, <clears throat> uh, rewarding you more for telling the qualitative parts of your art, you know, and not maybe a funny, just a funny, funny line, which is a great joke, but um, they're not there for great jokes. They yeah. want to hear something personal. I mean, I think it's like reading a novel and reading a book or a short story. The reason why we want to do that is first, you just want to know that you're not crazy. <laughs> you know, there's other people around in this world with, with misery and, and heartbreak. So you don't, you feel less alone, right? And uh, second, um, that they learn so much about themselves by hearing your story. And I think that's what art is about. And I think that's why what people, um, I would say Dutch people and French people wanna, wanna absorb when they go to your theater. And afterwards they talk about it, you know, with their friends and they have dialogue and, and then it's a fantastic night because they, they progressed in their life a little bit more. <laughs> and it's different when you go to a comic club in America uh, you just laugh all night, have a great time, get drunk, and then you get out of the club and then you do do something else. And, you know, not a lot of people would say, hey, oh my God, that story that he told, I had something like that, uh, something similar. I mean, of, of course people do that, but I have a feeling it's more entertainment here than a piece of art. And it's great that you're, that the theater was called a work of art. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely um, gives you a, a, an outline to work with. Do your best stuff, you so know. And the fact that the fact that the fact that I knew um, the words of Moliere have been spoken there. Oh, that's so you know amazing. that I wanted to do my best. Oh my god! And then I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, but you know, Ashna's Netflix suggestions are different from mine. Because she watches intelligent European programs, and I no, watch... No, not intelligent. I mean... Well, but um, I watch a lot of stand-up. So yeah. you go to my profile, and it's I get all these stand-up comedy suggestions first. Whereas you found this brilliant show, and we binge-watched it last week before I went to Paris. Oh, can I say what, <clears throat> what, the, what the... Sorry, people, this is interruption. I just want to say, so the... My selection is based on a lot of French and Italian and Spanish movies. So I get a lot of suggestions from that part of the world. So. Yeah, so yeah. You, so I guess that's how you found this mm -hmm, show, mm -hmm. which in France, it's called 10%. It's about this uh, these agents, these showbiz agents, but um, the English translation, uh, the title of the show is called Call My Agent. Yeah. Which is not as good as 10% for a title. But for whatever reason, that show uh, is amazing. And we burned through it. We absolutely loved it. And our favorite character, 
uh, is played by this actress, Camille Cotton. Camille Cotton. And just she has such a French face. She's got <laughs> this, like, this... Um, Massive French nose. She's. I think she's. She's stunningly beautiful. And I think it, it's massive. <clears throat> I think it's more like this. Like a like. Uh, well, it's just lightly. Ah, uh, well, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty prominent nose. However, <laughs> however you want to describe it. So in the she's one of the main characters, and her character is lesbian. And I love that in the show, the number one main love story uh, throughout the series is the love story of uh, the, the lesbian lead character. And I think, you know, um, that's just so French and ahead of its time versus, uh, like, I, it's, I mean, I, you know, I mean, Orange is the New Black takes place in a women's prison. I'm sure they have, you know, female love stories. But uh, I, I, th I think it's a really um, funny, charming well-written television show. I think I think what is nice about it, it's based on real-life scenarios, real-life things. It happens with clients and their agents and in the movie and in the entertainment uh, industry. Yeah. Well, so, um, so we just watched this show, 10%, Call My Agent, before I went to Paris, and I arrive at the theater for the soundtrack Monday afternoon, and holy shit, there's posters all over the place, and the actress that we love, Camille Cotton, is in a play that's at this theater right now, running through like the end of March. So like, boom! I first thing, so obviously. And you were shitting in your pants. Shit in my pants. I took that as a good sign, and uh, I mean, you can. I'm I'm looking at this Wikipedia page of of this theater, and uh, you know, you it, it's it's so beautiful, and it's so. Um, I mean, it's under 500 seats. It's got this old theater. It's uh, old history. It's over 100 years old. So this guy, let me just read this little history thing real quick. Uh, Lugne Poe was the uh, theater director. Uh, Lugne Poe had embraced symbolism, subjectivity, spirituality, and mysterious internal and external forces as a source of profound truth after working as an actor at Theater de Art, the first of the independent symbolist theater. Um, anyway, there was one play that they did in 18... Where is it? <clears throat> I thought this was funny. 1890... Where is it? Uh... So, anyway, it was like 1899, 1898, something like that. There was this, and it was a very controversial play, and it opened uh, the first word of the play, was mad. Oh, there it is. Uh, on December 10th, 1896, Theater de la Ovre presented Alfred Jarry's legendary Ubu Roy with actor Furman Germier in the title role. Jari had finished this epochal play about human greed, cowardice, and stupidity just six months before it would shock the audiences with its unapologetic opening line, Merde. Merde. Which is French for shit. Though Jari affected an attitude of political indifference, his revolutionary ideas challenged assumptions about society, 
propriety, and existence. Brockett notes that Ubu Roy shows in all its grotesqueness a world without human decency. <laughs> um, so, so how did you feel playing the theater? Like I was an artist and um, that I had uh, very powerful things to say. And, you know, my, my, my history with Paris, my, my personal... Um, Opinions? Uh, my, you know, about getting maced and the... Um, the knowledge about Voltaire. That's, that's, what, that's where I was trying to, to, to go to. So it really encouraged me, you know, I talked about Diderot. Uh, Diderot said that the world will not be in free until the last king is strangled to death by the entrails of the last priest. Um, I had some French people in the audience in Bangkok, Thailand a few months ago, and I threw that out there. And as the words left my mouth, I, uh, I realized that Thailand has a monarchy and a sitting king. <laughs> Oops, I wasn't talking about your king. I was talking about the old European kings. And then I talked about the life of Voltaire, and um, this, the, the, this woman started to like um, uh, a, a, a big applause break right as I was um, speaking the last word. It was, it, was, it was chilling. It was beautiful. And then I did an hour and a half, and I could have gone much longer, but uh, I, 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 could, I could feel you know, the audience was, was starting to get a little tired. But it's Monday. It was Monday, uh, but I had so much more. It just the time breezed by. Yeah. With um, talking about my life and and everything I love about France and um, French people, and I hate when Americans say they don't like France or French people. That um, France gave the world the bikini and lingerie. What's not to like? France gave the world denim. Levi's would not exist without the invention of denim. And the United States never would have gained its independence from England had it not been for the French naval blockade at the Battle of Yorktown. And the French Marquis, who arranged that naval blockade, was named Lafayette. And that's why, when the American soldiers landed on the beaches of Normandy in World War II, the American government sent a message to the French government that simply said, Lafayette, we are here. So, like, man, this audience was just, you know, um, they were blown away. Mesmerized. They they loved my stories, and they loved the fact that I knew so much history, and I could lay it out there eloquently, you know? It was marvelous. So then one of the highlights, other than the performing... uh, the highlight, so after the show, the downstairs is a bar area, and downstairs is also where the um, uh, the kind of the dressing rooms are. And so there's like these French doors. <laughs> Maybe in France they just call them doors. That open up into the... Into the <laughs> I never realized that. <laughs> these are the French doors. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> in France we just call these doors. So everybody's in the, there's lots of people in the bar area. And then I had to talk to, um, there was a guy from Radio Nova there. I love Radio Nova. I listen to it online. 
um, whenever I can, when I, when I, so what happened when you went through so, the, but no, but let me tell you. So then I did this interview with this woman from this French newspaper when, after the show, after I talked to the Radio Nova guy, I had a great interview with her. And she was saying, um, do you do this same act everywhere you go? I said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing my history of Paris. Um, in Chicago, in Chicago, I'm not doing my French material in Chicago. And she was like, oh, so you don't, this isn't a prepared show that you do from start to finish. I said, no. She said, because the French comedians will do a show every night exactly the same start to finish. I said, oh, that, yeah, that's, I, that would be very boring for me to do that. And then she said that <clears throat> a lot of the young French comedians all talk about dating. And, uh... She said, what do you think uh, about young comedians talking about dating? I said, well, in the States, it's kind of like that, too, where these young comedians, everybody's got a joke about Tinder. And I think it's it's kind of hacked to talk about dating because, um, you know, it's just like an old, worn out. There's nothing original about it's not unique. And, you know, tell me about your relationships. Tell me about the person you love, tell me... But your emotions, your feelings. Things like that, yeah. And so I had this wonderful interview with this woman, and uh, and, and 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 then I had also told her the this, this story about Natalie's mom, who I saw on the Sunday, which I'll tell that in a minute. But um, so I had this wonderful interview with this, with this woman from the French newspaper, and then uh, I walk out into the through the doors into the bar area, which is full of people. And I have to say, one of the highlights of my life as a performer, I walk in and I just, everyone in the bar burst out into a loud, hand-banging applause. Wow. Like they just went, oh. And it was like, holy fuck, I'm, I'm playing in a, you know, it was like, it was like, wow, this is the kind of shit that happens in theaters. That's so cool. And the fact that the people enjoyed it that much, that they banged their hands together violently when I entered in the room. I mean, and they clapped for like a long time. And holy shit, I blushed. I'm not used to that kind of adulation. And um, it, wow, I can't wait to go back. C'est <laughs> l'américain, Tom Roots, Tom Roots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to go back. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to October 15th. And then we're going to spend the entire week leading up to that in Paris. And then I'll, I'll do some some club warm-up shows leading up to that. But um, How many months is that from now? Like 10? 10. So if you save up... Nine now, it's February. So if you save up some money for 10 months, then the tickets in October would be around... What would you say? Five hundred, six hundred dollars. No, I mean uh, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe you could get it that cheap. And then uh, uh, we because the the prices go down on the airline tickets um, middle of September. So yeah. So October the the flights are cheaper. Yeah, and then a uh, hotel would be maybe eighty euros a night, which is hundred dollars a night. Do you yeah, think? Yeah. Maybe less. I mean, if you want to have a cheaper hotel, and then uh, for a week. So how much would that be? Fifteen hundred dollars, 
if you can save up $1,500, you can hang out with us in Paris. <laughs> well, maybe they could get there cheaper than, than that. I don't, I don't know. But wouldn't it be fun if our podcast fans would be there? Yeah, I would love it. <gasps> and it's so fun. Yeah, I, w I would really love, and I, I would like more English-speaking people in the audience. I mean, because I do think a, our special should have uh, lots of solid laughs also. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. I'm going to produce it, and I'm going to bring all the English people from... Paris to your show yeah no I mean I I, it, I, I I couldn't have been happier and then now it was a great run through for um, the structure of how I'm yeah. gonna do it because like you know I, I started out talking about uh, the first love of my life was with a Parisian woman and then my history with Paris and I had seen Natalie's mom the day before so I was really excited to get to that joke about I mean, the story about when I took her to the Grand Canyon and her chest is hurting. And here's the thing that I left off. But she, like, she put her hand to the sky and she didn't speak any English whatsoever. And, well, apparently she knew one English word. She, it's, it's, it's getting dark. She puts one hand on her chest, like Fred Sanford and Sanford and Son, and puts one hand to the sky and starts going, Helicopter! Helicopter! So this woman thought anyone in trouble in America got a helicopter. And so, but the joke is the thing that I said before about, you know, as the boyfriend, you don't want to kill the mom. How many times do I have to apologize for that? And blah, blah, blah. So I was thinking about that and I completely forgot until the end of my show, it dawned on me that I had forgotten to do the story about when I got maced, pepper sprayed. Uh, in Paris, the first time I went to Paris. So, like, you know, uh, I had meant to do that at the beginning of the show, telling my personal history with Paris, and, you know, that slipped my mind. But it's good they didn't know. Everything, you know, they still loved you. The Isn't it funny that when you told me the whole story, I said, well, I'm glad that you made some mistake, because if you had a perfect show and everything was perfect, then you wouldn't have something to, you know, improve when you go back in, in October. Yeah, totally. And I'm going to have the, um, the, the, the structure will be um, perfect and blistering by the time I get there. Yeah. And you have a few points that you can improve and then, then that's going to be the perfect show. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> the show was already great and a success. So what I'm trying to say is it's good that for yourself, you had some points for yourself that you think, hey, I, you know, I could have um, go slower here, articulate more better there because, you know, it's still Paris. So it's good. It's good that you made some of this. It's good that sometimes you went too fast. It's good that you forgot the maced in Paris story in the front, you know, because now you're definitely going to have a perfect show, A+. plus. I agree. So... Uh, it was an interesting time to be in Paris because there was so much going on in the in the in the news in France. Like the the River Seine is about to overflow. It's it's risen to almost flood level, and there's a statue on one of the bridges of a man. And in 1989, it got up to his neck. And that's like the Measure. That's the measurement in Paris, this statue that's on this um, bridge. And now 
the water is up to his ass. So the, the Seine is, is overflowing, and then uh, they had Nutella riots in the provinces in France. There was like grocery stores that offered discounted Nutella spread, and people were fighting over it. It was like they're, like we have Black Friday in the United States, and there's always, you always see people on the news like fighting over like, you know, some video console or a, you know, discounted televisions. Uh, well, the French version of that is um, fighting over a $4 jar of Nutella. It's much better to fight for food than for some kind of game. And then uh, you told me about this, that 50 monkeys had escaped from the Paris Zoo. Mm-hmm. But uh, it turns out they were baboons. Yeah. So 50 baboons had escaped from the Paris Zoo. They caught every one of them but five. Isn't that the funniest? That is the funniest headline. Yeah. 50 baboons escaped in Paris. I think That's hilarious. Yeah, like... Um, I pictured the five remaining baboons that hadn't been caught trying to blend in, like hanging out in cafes with berets and scarves and <laughs> ordering cappuccino, things like that. Wee oui, wee. Oui. So it was an interesting, interesting week for the French news, and <clears throat> I got to I got to I arrived in Paris Saturday morning, and my friend Mike O'Connell is there filming some television show. He's been in Paris for like three months filming this TV show. So I I sent him a message. He said, come over, we'll do lunch. And I took the metro. So I dropped my luggage at the hotel, took a shower. And then um, I took the metro to Republique, which is this big square. And they have the beautiful statue. Um, it's a really cool part of Paris. So I arrive, and it's, it's this massive square. I come out of the metro station, and there is this massive pro-Kurd rally. All these Kurdish people waving flags, and, and they're chanting and yelling through bullhorns and banging on drums. And that was on one side of the square. And then on the other side of the square was a women's movement march. And they're banging on drums and yelling in uh, bullhorns. And... Uh, at one point, the Kurds and the women all pointed at me and said, there he is. Let's get him. Because <laughs> I was the only older white guy um, anywhere in sight. That was a joke. <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> uh, like, there was, there was definitely no older white guys on that scene, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, the, the Kurds have not been treated fairly, but, you know, by... Iraq and Turkey and Syria, they're 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 the most um, shit on people, and then the women were anyway. Not that funny, but that was that was interesting. I took a ton of pictures, and then I hung out with Mike, and and then I took him to Rue Montagoya, and if you come to the Tom Road special in October. You we're got, all going to go excursion. We're, we're going to take a, a field trip with our listeners to our favorite street in Paris called Rue Montegoya. And <clears throat> there's so much tasty shit on that street with the baguettes and uh, patisseries. But the storer is there. And that's that patisserie that's 
um, we can't stop going to because it's so damn tasty. That's also a fun street. Paris is so great because there are so many uh, cafes <clears throat> and restaurants and bars with their chairs outside. And it doesn't matter how cold it is, they have the heaters on. So you always have this, this you know, this, this cool vibe where you can just sit outside, drink coffee or drink wine, read a newspaper, and you can sit there forever. You know, the restaurant doesn't care. They just want you to have a good time. You know, and wine is like three euros. That's um, everything's cheap. That's there. four four fifty <clears throat> or something. The baguettes are a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty. A croissant is a is a dollar fifty, and it's the best. It's the best. You know. Yeah, I love that. I wish we could live in Paris, because that's really enjoying life. Yeah, well, one day we'll get one there. Day. Uh, so then on Sunday, I went. I had a date to go see Natalie's mom. So Natalie was the, 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 the first love of my adult life. I'm still very good friends with her. And her mother is older and she's ill now. She's in her 70s. And um, she's had a few surgeries and she hasn't been doing very well. So this woman is really important to me. And I'm still good friends with Natalie. And I, I, I told her I wanted to go visit her mom. So she was excited about it. She got this friend of hers to meet us there and translate for us um, so we could talk because I speak no French and she speaks no English. So I took the metro to Père Lachaise because she lives very close to Père Lachaise Cemetery where Jim Morrison's buried, Oscar Wilde, Chopin, Moliere. All these people are, are buried there. So I come out of the metro stop at Père Lachaise and there's a man selling used books on a table. And I thought, oh, I, I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll find her like an old book. And they had an old copy of Charles Baudelaire's The Flowers of Evil. It's his most famous book. And it was in French. So that was three euros. I buy it from the guy. I say, do you know, uh, can you speak English? And he says, a little. And I said, do you know where I can find... Um, some flowers. I, I no understand. I no understand. So I got the book in my hand and I, I point to the word flowers. Flowers. He goes, oh, we, oui, 100 meters. And he points in that direction. And then I went and bought Natalie's mom um, a dozen white roses. And then I had no intention of going to Père Lachaise because I've been there so many times. But I thought, hey man, I'm walking with a dozen white roses in Paris. I look pretty cool. So I popped into Père Lachaise only in that front section. And I took a couple pictures, had somebody take some pictures of me. Um, <clears throat> and then I went to Natalie's mom's house. And I have not seen this woman in over 20 years. And her friend, Marie, who was going to translate, was not there yet. So it was the way me and this woman used to communicate years ago. By pantomime and by drawing on a with a pen and paper like trying to communicate so she she had has had surgeries she she was moving kind of rough and finally marie comes and we talk and she only had 2 hours so i had i i told this i told her there's there's important things i want to tell you i i think it's important that you tell people who are important to you how important they are to you. So uh, 
like Marie talked about herself for a half hour <laughs> and her life, and I and then she said she only had two hours. So I was polite and I was very patient and I was like, yes, oh, oh and your daughter, yeah, going to the university, oh, that's wonderful, and oh, and, you know, blah de ba and you, oh, and you're living where, and that's great. And I said, looked at my watch, I go, listen, I go, you can't stay longer than two hours. No, I am sorry. I go, listen, uh, I need you to start translating now because there's a lot of important things I want you to tell Anique. Uh, I want you, tell her, I want her to know that she's important to me and that I never forgot her and that I love her very much. And then she translates and says, she says the same about you. And uh, I, I told her, she is the person who introduced me to Voltaire. And I, I, I love Voltaire. I've become an expert on his life. And uh, Candide is my favorite book. And she made some joke like, um, oh, I, I always give people the, the worst introductions. She said something like that. And then I mentioned to her about the first time I ever came. I don't, I don't get it. She, gives she was joking. Like, I, I give people the worst introductions. She was being sarcastic. Mm -hmm. And then I, I asked her if she remembered the first time I ever came to Paris and that she knew I loved Arthur Rimbaud. So she took me on a train ride. First, we, we took the train from Paris to, to, to Reims. Reims. And I'm trying to explain this to Marie. And the French say it's, it's spelled R-E-I-M-S. Yes. Rhymes. But the French pronounce it Reims. So I said, we first stopped at Reims. And she doesn't, Marie has no idea what I'm saying. And I go, Vove Clico, Reims, Reims, Reims. And she fucking won't get it. I go, the city where Vove Clico is from. And then finally she gets it. And so. No, and then she says, oh, Reims. Yeah, that was it. That was exactly what happened. She goes, exactly. And the French people always do that. You're pronouncing it. Almost exactly <laughs> correct. And she goes, oh, Rance. That was exactly what happened. So on that first trip to, to Paris, Natalie's mom takes me on the train to Rance. We got out. We walked around the city. And then we went into a cafe. And we had two glasses of Vove Clicquot champagne. Oh, my God. So nice. Which I had never had champagne. I mean, I knew nothing about champagne at that time. And I knew nothing about Vove Clicquot. And I, I, I told Marie to tell Anique that, that I stopped drinking alcohol, but when I was drinking, that was my favorite champagne. And then I read the biography. Which is an extraordinary book to read. Yeah, it's the, very <clears throat> thin, so if you have the chance, uh, go and read it. It's the, it's the champagne with the orange label. Vove Clicquot, uh, if I've never said this before, Vove means widow in yeah. French. Old widow, yeah. So the, the this woman started the champagne house with her husband, and he died when they were 27. And that's why it's called the Widow Clico, Love Clico. Because she takes over, and she does it phenomenally, and she's badass at it. Yeah, and then the, the remarkable thing that she did in the development of champagne, uh, champagne always had this shit, this sediment in the bottom of the bottle, and they could never figure out how to get it out. And it was her idea, Love Clico to store the champagne bottles upside down and to turn the bottle a quarter like every month. And then that removed the 
sediment shit in the bottom of the bottle problem. And every champagne house does it to this day. And um, it was her idea. I forgot about that part. I, I only remember that um, the champagnes, when there were bubbles in the champagnes, that was, that was, that was uh, actually a bad thing. So no, no, no. It was Dom Perignon. Yeah. Yeah. That's Dom what, Perignon. That's thought. what I'm trying to, to, to explain is that that was a bad thing. So, and that was Dom Perignon. He has tried for years to get the bubbles out of it. Yeah. And then Veuve Glucot, um saw some money in it. I don't know the details of it. But I just remember that the bubbles were a bad thing. Yeah. And what I also remember <clears throat> is that Dom Perignon is more expensive than Veuve Clucot. And Veuve Clucot is so much nicer wine. It's better. Uh, so yeah. Dom Perignon is like over $100 a bottle. And Veuve Clicquot is about $45 a bottle. And Veuve Clicquot is a far superior. And a better story. Yeah, better story. And women. Yeah, girl, it's, it's uh, pro-woman power. And Dom Perignon, the mythology of the company's marketing, says that Dom Perignon discovered champagne. And that when he, when he first drank it, he said, I am drinking the stars, which is total bullshit. Never happened. Bullshit. So, fake news. Yeah, fake news. That's hilarious. So, from Roms, Rhine, Rons, we took... Uh, the, we, sorry, what? Oh, Roms! Roms. We <laughs> took the train from Roms to Charlieville, which is the town where Arthur Rimbaud is from. And we put flowers on Arthur Rimbaud's grave. Nice. And that was so nice that this woman did this for me on my first trip to... To France. You were 27, 28. No, younger than that, I oh. think. What was I in? Uh, 23. No, 94. So, yeah, I think you're right. 27. So. Oh, that was a good guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, what? So, 97, I turned 30. So, 94, I was 27. Yeah. Wow, look at me. Fucking nailed it. Nailed it. <clears throat> so she said, so it's so special that she did this for me on my first trip. And then she said, um, oh, yes, we went to the museum also. And I said, yes, the, the Arthur Rimbaud Museum. It's in, the, it's in an old mill right on the river. So we had this great memory together from December 1994 when I first went to Paris. And... Um, and it, it was just so wonderful to see this woman and tell her how important she was to me. Because I don't think she's going to be alive for too many more years. I remember you saying uh, that Natalie was complaining to her mom one time on the phone and saying, uh, you know, like, hey, how, how how's everything going? Yeah, you know, when you guys were living in San Francisco and um, and uh, your ex-girlfriend was uh, complaining about you. Like, yeah, and, you know, he doesn't clean up and he doesn't do the dishes. And her mom... What's her name, Anique? The, the woman you just visited in Paris said, uh, Oh, but it's uh, an artist. Uh, you're, you're an artist. <laughs> leave him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> when an artist, she said, leave him alone. He's an artist. <laughs> when an artist is looking out the window, he's not just looking out the window. <laughs> he's creating art. And you should do the dishes and leave him alone. And let him think about his art. That's what she told Natalie. Yeah, you can't yeah. pull that off with me. Wow. No. Yeah. No shit. So, uh, but anyway, absolutely beautiful woman. And then Marie had to leave. 
And and then I was left. I stayed for like another hour, and and we pantomime communicated. And then I remember I took her to a, a San Francisco Giants game because I you know I love baseball. Uh, when she first came to San Francisco in 1992, and she wanted a bat, so I got her a Louisville Slugger wooden baseball bat mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, that I saw when I went to France the next couple times. She still has it by her front door to beat up muggers or <laughs> burglars or whatever. And then also I figured out that, so she, she was born in 1942. When she first came to San Francisco in 1992, she was 50. And, and you're 51. So I wrote on the paper, I said, uh, Anique, 1992, San Francisco. And I wrote 50, and I circled it. And then I, I, I wrote, Tom, Paris, 2018. And I wrote 51 and circled it. Wow. So I'm older now than she was when we met. Wow. Which is fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> I mean, you know, and the thing at, at Père Lachaise, uh, when you're leaving Père Lachaise, there's this symbol above the gate and it's an hourglass, like a sand hourglass. Yeah. And there's like these wings on the side of it, which yeah. symbolizes that time flies. Yeah. And man, time does fly. Because like Marie, I remember she like 25 years ago when she visited San Francisco, she's like, you know, kind of young, hot, skinny French girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was young and handsome and Anique was, I mean, 50, she's... She had plenty of life left back then, and and now, um, man, time Everybody flies. Everybody gets old. Everybody gets old. Yeah, time flies. Time flies. So it was really important. Except for I, me, I still look, I'm 28. You still look amazing. <laughs> You're still getting carded. So she said, um, fatigue, fatigue, which I know means tired. She was getting fatigued, and it was time for me to go. And, uh, and, and a few times when I was speaking to her, I got my eyes misty, misted and, uh, and teary because I knew this might be the last time I ever see this woman. That's so, uh, that's so amazing. And it was really important for me to tell her how important she was to mm-hmm. me. And so when I was leaving, I hugged her and I, 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 just, I, I, I said, uh, je t'aime, Anique. Wow, you said it in a very nice, wild... Um, and then I repeated it. Je t'aime, Monique. Je t'aime, Monique. Nice. I repeated it like three times. And then we hugged again at the door. And then as I was descending the steps, she turned on the light in the stairway so I could see on the way down. And I said it a few more times as I was descending the stairs. Je t'aime, Monique. What did she say? Je t'aime, Tom. Oh, nice. Yeah. You see, a Dutch person wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But it's beautiful because when you told me the story for the first time, I immediately thought, wow, I can't believe that you were you, you really planned this visit. And me, scared for connection, socially awkward girl, I would, I would think the same, you know, like, oh, this might be the last time that I would see this person. But for me, I would be too awkward to... To plan this whole visit, I would have excuses for myself, you know, thinking, oh, I'm too busy for this or I won't have time for it. 
and you just planned it meticulously. You set it up, you went there, you know, bought flowers uh, and a book, you said, I, I think. Yeah, and Baudelaire's went there. Flowers of Evil. Yeah, and you had a translator. And the first thing, when you had the chance, you said, I have to say something. You are very important to me. I've I, learned so much from you. I never forgot you. I never forgot you. You taught me so many beautiful things about life. Uh, that's so beautiful because I know you and I I have a feeling how you told that, you know, yeah. because you're very charming and you're very connective. And then I'm sure that you look straight in her eyes when you said that. Yeah. And you, you went a little bit closer like this, right? Yeah. Like, uh, with leaned your, in. you leaned in. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, wow, only Tom Rhodes can do that. You really <laughs> inspire me because I'm, I'm very, um, I, I cannot connect with people too much, too well because of my history in traumas. And I just adore you that you can do that, <laughs> that you have that courage because it asks a lot of courage because a lot of people are, are, have a lot of fear to do that because it, it's, you have to open your heart completely to do that and to say that to a person who is sitting next to you like that. Well, and then you know? like this trip, there was not, there was no touristy things this trip. You know, when I was in Paris in December, I was staying in Saint Germain, and it's like, oh my God, uh, the Dorsey Museum is right there. That's my favorite museum in Paris. Of course, I have to go to the Dorsey and do these other things. But this time was it was all about the theater show at La Oeuvre. L'Oeuvre. And um, and then, you know, I, I just thought this this might be my last chance to to see this woman and tell her. How important she is to me. I just remember there was one last thing also, uh, which will set up me talking about the episode that I'm going to put out for next week. Uh, so I finished this amazing book about the French Revolution um, uh, called Paris in the Terrors. And the next episode I'm going to do, it's going to be all about the, the French Revolution. And I can't wait to hear all of that. The story is so incredible. And the characters and the people and the shit that happened. It's just, it was so riveting, the events that happened. And um, so as before, when it's time to go, and I, I, I put on my, my coat. Oh, and Nick said, um, I looked elegant. Ele Aww. Elegant. She, she waved her hand. Yeah. Uh, she, when I put on my coat. And I go, oh, and I, so I showed her the, I, I pulled my book out of the, my backpack and um and 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 i go oh my god i go oh the french revolution and she says charlotte corday and then she made the motion of sticking a knife and then she holds her chest like she's marat and she stuck her tongue out and went ah <laughs> and she went charlotte corday thrust Hand on the chest, ah, oh, that's so funny. and we both fucking laughed. Mm -hmm. Had this great laugh over the assassination of Marat, and and then we. Oh, Charlotte Corday is that woman who killed. Is the him. woman who yeah, killed I Marat? Thought, yeah. I thought, I thought <clears throat> what is that familiar name? Yeah. You talked about it a few episodes back. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. That's so great. Yeah. So we had that nice little chuckle over the French Revolution, and she said the revolution was human evolution. Oh, wow. I think that's what she said. It was in French. Don't spoil it. That's what she yeah. said. <laughs> no, that's what Anique said. Oh, okay. Yeah, when we were talking about it and saying goodbye. 
So that's great. What a great story. Yeah, and then uh, I want to say that I walked around Paris, and I um, to get pumped up for my show. I listened to the John Spencer. I listened to the John Spencer Blues Explosion, the album Orange, and I, didn't, I haven't heard the album in years. And I brought my cassette Sony Walkman, and because I have the album on cassette, and uh, I'm going to end this episode with this song that helped me get pumped up for this episode or for my show at Theater La Ovra. And um, is there anything else? Oh, 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 and, that, and then the other thing. So that night I felt so good. I, 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 I walked around Paris and then I, I had to go back to that theater and just look at the facade because it's so beautiful. And then... Uh, when in the morning when all the shops were opening, I bought four baguettes, cut them in half, put them in massive Ziploc bags, and uh, brought my smoochie some fresh baguettes from Paris. Yay, and they were delicious. You might think, oh, but it's not fresh anymore. Well, I got a trick. Just put it on the water and then put it in the oven. So you just baste it with water, right? Yeah. Yeah, and don't be don't be afraid to get it wet. You know, just don't sprinkling sprinkle, but just put like really make it wet. Not really make it wet, like in between. You know, okay, between a sprinkle and soak. Did you say base it? Ba- um, um, what's it? based? Or just wet it? Yeah, but not base like when you like put on like with a with an egg, with a brush. Like an egg wash. Yeah, yeah, maybe like that. Yeah, maybe let's say three four three seconds under uh, streaming water, the whole baguette. And then you put it in the oven, and it's it's gonna bake again. It's gonna rebake your bread. So it's it was like fresh out of the oven from Paris, from the store in Montegoya. So it was delicious. Thank yeah, you. and I I love that my European wife knows tricks like that how to revive a, uh, a bread, revive a yeah. baguette from Paris. Mm-hmm. So we still have three of them in the freezer now. Oh, yummy! Yummy. Little Paris and Los Angeles. Great. So um, make your plans for October 15th. It's Monday. And we'll see you there. In Gay Paris. And do you have anything to add? No, I wanted to say about the baguette, but you you already said it. Okay. Nice. Oh, and then that amazing chocolate I found in Switzerland. The Lint Creme Brulee flavor. Mm -hmm. I found that in a store and brought those home too. Yeah, and then you ate a lot of chocolate, and then you got sick today. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't <laughs> going to mention that, but yeah. yeah. I ate so much chocolate last night, I got a tummy ache. It's like when I was fucking eight. I ate too you much. You were like a little kid. And, oh, I ate too much chocolate. <clears throat> yeah. But so. you had fun at the Joey Diaz podcast, which is also on the internet. If you guys are curious about it, go there and see that conversation. As for this one... um, I noticed we have a lot of new fans, and I just want to say, hey, welcome. Welcome, yeah, and uh, and, and thank you to everybody who gives um, money to our podcast through the Patreon website. I know that we mention the, the Golden Buddhas all the time, but I also want to pay tribute to the people uh, who give lesser amounts of money, because we also really greatly appreciate that. There's like... Loads of people that give like a dollar every month. Yeah. Loads of people that give five dollars every month. And fifteen. <clears throat> fifteen. 
And um, I know we uh, we always mention how much we love the people who um, who give the most money, but also we want to thank everybody who gives anything. And um, and uh, you know, I'm glad I did Joey Diaz's podcast last night, and he gave me shit for for not putting out an episode once in a while. And you know, he he's he, um, he said, you know, there's people counting on you every week to know what's going on with you. Yeah, but that's true. And I always, always say, Tom, Tom, we should do a podcast. You should do a podcast. And one reason is why we do it together is to motivate you to do it and, and get one out. Because it's very difficult just to sit there and just record your own thoughts, you know. But if you do it together, it's easier because then you can have a conversation, right? Definitely. Yeah. So, so um, but I have to tell, tell you that you have a much busier life than um than most podcasters because they stay in LA. They stay in LA, they got their the little time. studio. Yeah. And uh and you're right. And we are on the move <clears throat> the whole all the time. And when you're in town, we have to catch up with all the work. So it's kind of a how you call it like a vicious like vicious a, circle. Vicious yeah. circle, Cycle. yeah. But um we wanna really do this. I really wanna have every Tuesday recording so we're gonna go for it definitely and then next week is gonna be a, about a, Paris and next Paris. week is gonna be a very big episode that it um, uh, I'm, I'm gonna start making notes on it uh, tonight after we get back from dinner and uh, that's gonna be the epic French Revolution episode if you remember the the Voltaire episode I did the one on Genghis Khan the one on Charlie Chaplin it's gonna be uh, that kind of um, uh, you know, big story from a book that I love and very valuable information that's going to blow your fucking minds. I'm so looking forward to it. And for our new fans, I want to say thank you, thank you for coming and listening or coming <laughs> for listening <laughs> to our podcast. And if you haven't uh, heard yet, you can go to patreon.com. Tom Rhodes or slash forward slash forward slash Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp and you can get some goodies if you're interested. It would be great because then we know your name, we know your email address, and we're gonna start loving you, <laughs> which is even better. Um, and yeah, send us an email. You know, if you have any questions, <coughs> if you want to so, know things about us. Yeah, any questions you have, anything you want to know, and um, and and like I was telling the story about. Um, uh, Natalie's mom, Monique, you know, be sure that, uh, you don't let people die without them knowing how important they are to you. So, you know, because time uh, flies, time flies. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're part of our listening family and that our voices are in your eardrums. Okay. So now and you motivate us. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, you keep the fire under our asses to keep these babies coming out. So now I'm going to end this episode with um, my theme song, the song that uh, really got me pumped up uh, walking around the streets of Paris. Um, I listened to this whole album on the Paris Metro and kind of dancing to myself on the platforms. And this is the one tune that I kept listening to over and over to get pumped up for the show. And then after that show, Monday night, I felt so good just walking around Paris. Uh, I listened to it over and over. This is the John Spencer Blues Explosion, and the name of the song 
is called Greyhound. Okay, that's it. Enjoy. So, shalom, amigos, e amigas, and long may you run with this ass wiggling song.
one more time, if you want to give and support us or donate, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, Patreon.com forward slash Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp. And if you want to enrich your life with wisdom and laughter, you can buy my brand new album, All Hail Laughter, on iTunes and Amazon. It's a double album, and it will certainly enrich your life with laughter. Enjoy. Enjoy.